station, Adventist Reflections. Now, to discuss character building ideas, here is your host, Dr. Denzi. Hi family, welcome back to this special Q&A episode. We promise that we will talk about this, that there is some questions that some of you have asked, and we're here for that. We realize that a new season has started. Nevertheless, I hope that you enjoy this. For that, Catalina, welcome back. How are you going? Good, yourself? Yeah, good, good. So somebody asked on episode three, we talked about Sabbath and, and, and the title was Sabbath, a day of freedom. And this is more of a comment than anything else. And it, it says, I did not like how you guys presented this episode. I didn't like how you spoke about the Sabbath. I perceive this day as being holy and sacred. I received this question very, like when the episode happened. So I made some notes back then. Uh-huh. I perceive that maybe it's a misunderstanding on our intentions of presenting the Sabbath. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I want to mm-hmm. know what you think. I mean, I don't know. It's very generic. I don't know what you thought about that particular question, Catalina. What, what, what were your thoughts uh-huh. in specific? Yeah, and so I went and listened to the episode again okay. because obviously I received the questions in preparation for this episode. So it was later down the track that I received the question. So I went and listened to it, and I do understand how it can be misunderstood. Okay. I, I made it very clear that I work on Sabbath. Ah. Um, but, <laughs> okay. but what I'm trying to say is that uh, Sabbath is not a rest day for me. Um, right. I am not paid by the conference. I'm not paid by my church. I am just a volunteer church member. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one of the busiest days of my week uh, mm-hmm. because I am so active in helping to um, just helping with the running of the church. I'm involved in with Sabbath school. So um, sure. it's my busy day and my work day in the context of being very active um, in helping to run church and to be involved with church service. Mm-hmm. So that's, that might've been why it is perceived as, as not understanding that the day yeah. is holy because I did very clearly say I work on Sabbath. Sure. Um, but what I meant is I'm very active on Sabbath. Yeah. And I think it's probably around the same lines, but what I understood back then, um, it might not have necessarily specifically to do with work, work as such, but I think mm-hmm. it, it, it was indeed that idea of of how much we do. We did point out that sometimes for some of us, Sabbath can be burdensome. What I perceive we try to portray is that we need to ensure that we do not forget what God intended the Sabbath for us to be. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, question number two was on episode four about mercy and justice. And mm-hmm. it says, listening to the podcast for for the week, it was mentioned by both presenters that we are to mention the good deeds that we have done instead of just doing them when we witness somebody else doing them. So how do both of your views align with Matthew 6, 3 to 4? So I guess for those of you who don't have a Bible in front of you, you might be traveling, you might be listening to this, who knows where. Matthew 6, 3 to 4 basically talks about Jesus Christ saying... Whatever your one hand does, don't let the other one do. And we tend to utilize this text as a means to say, don't boast, don't talk about yourself kind of thing. The good things that you do, just do them. You don't have to go around spreading the word about how great you are. What do you think about this question specifically? Okay, 
I really liked this question. Oh, okay. And my Go ahead. answer is Sarah, only because I have heard, I have heard people use that verse, um, maybe for their own personal conviction that they don't want to let people know about right. things that they do. But I do understand why that person would feel like, you know, it is applicable to what we're talking about with regards to our, um, yeah, our acts of service and our acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. So if we have a look at the context of the chapter, um, mm-hmm. in the chapter before, which is Matthew 5, Jesus is clarifying a lot of the mindset of what the religious people had. Mm. Uh, he's addressing um, that they're to be the salt of the earth, that they're not to lose their save, their, their, their flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, he also says, he clarifies about how he has come to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. Right. He comes and clarifies the point about um, that, you know, we're not to kill, that the commandment says you shall not kill. But he says, but if you are angry, in your heart, you have killed. Mm-hmm. So he's clarifying a lot of things. He even touches on um, about adultery. He says, mm-hmm. touches about the commandment of adultery. He says, yeah. you know, you're not to commit adultery, but if you look upon a woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. Right. So in the context of chapter 5, it's very thorough that he's saying there's outward behavior, but then there's an inward motive. Right. And he's trying to address the inward motive. He's yeah. saying, you know what? Check your heart. Make sure that your intentions and your motives are pure because just because you don't do the act, just because you don't do a certain thing doesn't mean that in your heart you don't actually still desire that. Mm. So in that context, when we go into chapter 6, there are some points that he brings out, and and I think that this is going to be the strongest challenge or maybe the strongest argument um, as to the context of what it means to not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Mm. Um, Later, after that verse, which I think, let me just go back to it so that I can say properly the reference. Um, Okay, so in Matthew 6, so verses 1 to 4 is where it talks about giving of arms and how, mm-hmm. you know, not to be public about it. Mm-hmm. But I just want to give you the verses after so that you can see the context of what Jesus is trying to do. So in the verses after, which is Matthew 6, verse 5 on to about um, verse 7, mm-hmm. he talks about praying. Right. And he says, don't be like the hypocrites. Yes. Don't play, pray standing in the synagogues. Now, for us, if we were to apply that verse today, it would mean don't pray out loud standing in church. I'm sure many of us have prayed in public at church and prayed out loud. Sure. So if we were to take this verse, these sections of verses literally, it would mean that we are not to pray standing in church. Right. But that's not really the principle that God is saying. He's saying don't do it for outward demonstration. And then he's saying go into your closet and pray. Mm-hmm. So if we were to apply these verses very literally as as it is, you know, expected in the verses in earlier in that chapter, yeah. that would mean that no none of us should pray in public, none of us should pray in church, none of us should lead out in group prayer. We should all be praying in our closets in private. Yeah, those people that's will look at what, you. Yeah, that's not really what God is is trying to deal with in these passages. He's trying to deal with your heart condition. Um, so when we take it back to verses 1 through to about 5 in chapter 6, mm-hmm. it says there um, to not do it to be seen of men. And mm-hmm. it's saying your reward is in heaven. And yeah. I think deep down inside, that's what we're all going to have to address. We can either be letting people know of our good acts for our own reward, for our own vainglory, mm-hmm. or in our hearts, we are very we are very right with God. Our intentions and our motives are very pure. And God knows that we are purely doing this 
to glorify his name and to mm-hmm. encourage and inspire people uh, mm-hmm. through the way that the Holy Spirit has impressed us to do kind acts. Sure. And I think that's what's, that's what God is trying to address uh, through, through these passages is that check your heart and the reason why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, don't do it. Sure. Like stay quiet, be silent. Um, and don't let anyone know about the kind acts that you're doing if your heart isn't in the right place. And, you know, and there's so many things we can share and talk about this idea of um, self-glorification or boasting and, and stuff. Uh, when I think about this, I thought about that passage. In, there's more than one passage related to Paul as well. But in, in, in Second uh-huh. Corinthians chapter 11, Paul starts talking about all his sufferings and all his sorrows and all the things that he has done for the church and all the things that he has done for Christ. And it's almost as if, hey, you know, poor me, look at me, how great I am. And actually in, uh-huh. in, in the next chapter, in chapter 12, as he's talking to the Corinthians who were going through a bit of a rough patch with, with heresies, uh, and, and they receiving his message from the previous letter, he invites them to be like him. I always wrestle with that. Uh-huh. Because I'm thinking, mm. I don't know if I could say to anybody, you know, be like Daniel. I would say, you know, be like Christ. But Paul had, had the boldness to do that. And, and I don't want to enter into mm. that, why he did it and all that. But, or, or what are the implications of that? But rather I'm thinking here about, again, going back to what you say, the motive, the idea oh. that, um, that as, as, as we wrestle with what we say and do, we need to remember about our motives. And I suspect, I don't know, uh, when I think about the, the episode that when we talk about this idea of mercy and justice, we talked about, um, I think it was me who mentioned the idea that, hey, let's, let's take opportunities to share with others what we're doing because otherwise people won't do. I mean, it's okay to, to share with others mm-hmm. about your ministry, not for self-clarification or, or glorification, rather, mm-hmm. for self-exalting, uh, but rather perhaps through that process, perhaps we can encourage somebody else. Perhaps through that process, yeah. somebody else will say, hey, you know, I didn't know this was going on. Uh, and, and maybe somebody who was thinking like Elijah, I'm the only one here who is trying to do mm-hmm. something, will say like, no, there's somebody else, you know, and maybe you can join forces. Uh, yeah, it, it, I think it does go back to that motive of the heart, like you mentioned in that text specifically. Yeah. Question three, worship the creator was episode six. And so I feel this one was a tough one. It says contemporary Christians today talk about music and ways of worship as irrelevant to our salvation. If having the righteousness of Christ is about the heart, wouldn't the condition of the heart reflect into how we worship God? For example, the music style will reflect that our heart, where our heart condition is. I'll just start by saying, making a disclaimer, I guess. I think this question is comment. It's, it's question slash comment. It's quite tricky. I, I don't know if the perception was that we were saying do whatever you want. I don't think that's what we were trying to say anyhow, but I perceive that having a shot at this comment or question will be quite unfair. It's, I don't know. Maybe you have a very succinct answer, but I think this could be a whole series on the idea of the way contemporary Christianity and, 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 and means of worship, if you want to call them. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about this, um, idea of different kinds of, of worship? Okay. So I think we have to accept that there is such individuality within humanity Mm -hmm. and that within the church, we are going to reflect that individuality. Mm -hmm. Now that does not mean that there is not 
God's ideal, that there is not what God desires and what God has a preference for. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we also have to understand that there are people that are just in different stages in their journey. Um, For us, we were Seventh-day Adventists, and we listened to some really heavy R&B music, and we thought that was perfectly fine. Um, It wasn't Christian, obviously. It was very worldly. But I suppose my point is that we were Adventists, and we had been Adventists for a very long time, and we still listened to some really heavy music the lyrics were terrible, like really, really bad. <laughs> okay. um, but that was where we were at in our journey. And I think we have to understand that different people are in different places. Mm-hmm. But we have to understand that at some point, people will come to a greater knowledge of what is really God's preference and what is God's ideal. Um, and I think that as as your uh, listener mentioned, the heart can often be a reflection of where we are spiritually. Mm-hmm. So if someone is at a point where the music reflects, their worship music reflects maybe where they are in their journey. And sometimes it may take years and sometimes they may never want to change their style of music. I think we just have to be sensitive that everyone is on a different journey and their mm-hmm. heart may reflect where they are at. Um, now, in saying all of that, do I believe that there is a safer music? I, I do believe when we look at just a lot of the history behind different music genres, mm-hmm. I think there is a safer music option that we can listen to and that we can use for worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think we also have to be sensitive that sometimes we throw out a lot of things because we think they're, you know, they're tainted with some sort of satanic origin when realistically that argument can't always be excluded from us using a different type of style. And if we're going to go for more traditional and the hymns, we can also try and find arguments of how that music isn't completely sacred and completely pure and holy. Right. So we have to be sensitive to that. And I think, yeah, if we can maybe use more of like the scientific side of the way that music impacts the mind and the way that music impacts our state of well-being, I think that might be a more valid reason than, oh, but, you know, hymns aren't aren't satanic, but yet other music type is, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're probably safer going that because the Bible really doesn't express too much in terms of genres. Mm-hmm. Um, there mm-hmm. might be it might be more specific to instruments, um, and that's usually the argument that is presented is that there's instruments that we can use and there's instruments that we can't. But realistically, <laughs> in terms of the music styles, there isn't anything biblically that we can fall back on. Yeah. Um, so yeah. You know, I think uh, we could have spent so much time talking about that, uh, particularly when you bring in this idea of instruments as well, just just at the end, and the fact that yeah, mm-hmm. there was such a thing of the things that could be used in the in the tabernacle back then in the time of the Israelites and yet today if the music it's perceived in our minds as sacred whatever that is for whoever it listens it still can have all the instruments of the world Mm -hmm. regardless of so there's so many things we could unpack in that and I think you mentioned something so important the whole idea of people are at different stages in their lives and also um there are different motives going back to that idea of motives as to why we listen to music every time I think of music I think of as, as a means of worship or even music outside of worship. So, you know, some, we, we like to quote that verse that says, uh, everything we do is about Christ. Everything to do we do is about the glory of God. And yet when I think about um, many things that we do in our lives, I think, well, I'm not sure I'm doing this for the glory of God. Like yesterday I was cleaning the gutters mm. of my house. And I'm thinking, is that for the glory of God? Uh, maybe because he gave me the house and we need to keep it as much tidy as possible. We can always rationalize and make ideas as to this is for God. 
but it's just such a mundane thing. It's such an activity that I just have to do. I hate doing it. I still have to do it because it has to be for the keeping of the house. Um, and, and so there's a lot of things that we do that might not necessarily go back to that. I mean, I think about even stories in this, in, in, in the Bible of things that people did that, um, that might not necessarily reflect the idea of the, of I'm doing this for God. There is so many things we, we do in our everyday activities. And so when I think about music, I think about people like, um, like Solomon, who is writing all this stuff that we like to, for example, in the Songs of Solomon, spiritualize, and Spirit Prophecy does that, and that's okay. I think there's a space and place for that. I'm not going to go beyond that. But, I mean, this guy is writing to, to, to one of his wives, uh, about how much he, he loves her and et cetera, et cetera. And the wife responding to him. And we could argue again, rationalize, this is for God's glory. Mm. But really, he is having a romantic relationship that is within the sacred of his marriage. It's part of the fact that he has so many women and that's a different story. This is not part <laughs> of the, part of the question. But he's doing that, you know, and I have thought, I have oh. thought about this, you have worship music and, and the styles. And yes, it goes back to the condition of the heart. And there is no doubt in my mind that something is acceptable by God and some things are not. I, and that's up for everybody to judge. And how do I know that? Mm-hmm. I mean, when I think about worship, I think about these two guys, um, Cain and Abel. Mm. Both of them had good intentions. Both of them had in their heart to worship God. I mean, Cain's intention wasn't to, to, to not bring the best. He brought the best of what he had with what he was doing, but that's not what God asked. God said, you know, go and kill this uh, lamb, the spotless lamb. That's representing me. And, and yet, um, he did whatever he did with the best of intentions and God rejected it. So I think mm-hmm. we do have to be careful of how we proceed with the things that we do and as worship, if we want to say. But, you know, let us individually, as you say, find out evidence of how this affects us, the mind, mm. the way we behave, uh, how this relates to also the reverence and sacredness of Christ. If we can find ourselves doing certain things before God uh, as we're worshiping Him, then um, it's okay, I suppose. But if we really cannot imagine ourselves and we need to as the holy spirit to inspire us doing certain things with the way we are thinking we're worshiping before god creator mm-hmm. of the universe um, maybe maybe we could utilize that little divine inspiration to say maybe this is not something i can participate and even i think just to throw out maybe a challenge to our listeners that if yeah. music is something that you have been wrestling with maybe it's something that you're like why is there so many different types of worship styles and why do Within Adventism, why is there one type of music that is preferred or that is promoted or approved of more than another? Mm -hmm. I'd encourage everyone to go and study it out, Mm. um, to study the science behind music and the effects that it has. I know they've done a lot of research um, into the effects of really extreme different, like differing music styles, like heavy metal compared to classic. Um, And the more that you study into that and that you see that psychologically, there is it ha, it plays a really massive influence on your state of well-being then it would probably give you a lot more clarity as to you know well maybe there is an ideal or there is um mm. yeah a better option as mm. to what kind of music will actually place us in a state of mind that will be better for clarity and for peace and for understanding um and for being in a place where you know you are sensitive to the holy spirit's leading 
Absolutely. Well, thank you. Question four, two mm-hmm. more questions. Question four is about, uh, it relates to episode six, which is about worshiping the creator. And, um, the idea, the idea, the idea, the idea speaks of delivering service and ministering to the needs of others as worship. My Bible mm-hmm. says that worship is about prostrating ourselves to God, nothing else. Where are these ideas expanding the views on worship come from? I perceive that this is as da- dangerous to the church, particularly as we are in the last days. So I guess the way I read it, correct me if I'm wrong, in the sense of, I don't know if you read it, if you're hearing this the same way I am. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing that worship is about bowing down to God alone, like literally, physically, and the aspect of mm-hmm. the of the physicalities of it, of things. Um, what do you think of this aspect, Catalina? Um so as I've looked, you know, I've, I've literally gone through the word worship and tried mm-hmm. to work out what, what, <laughs> what worship that is. Means. Okay. Yes. And if I, if I do a word search and go through my concordance and find the word worship, yeah. it definitely does mean prostate. It does mean to bow down. And there yeah. is a physical, the word is expressing a physical state of behavior and it is that of bowing down or giving homage to. Mm -hmm. So when I look at the word worship in what it's demonstrating, it is definitely saying bow down or show reverence um, in that kind of way. But I think if we look at it, and I think the point is valid. I think the listener has definitely brought out a really valid point. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. I do agree in the sense that, yeah, if we have a look biblically, there is definitely enough evidence to say that worship is a state of, how you are physically presenting yourself before God. Mm-hmm. Um, when there were battles that were won, uh, they worshipped God, and it says that they they um, would put their head down or they kneeled before and spoke with God and prayed or gave praise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do agree in that sense. Mm-hmm. But also I think we have to understand that, that worship is still a lot more than just bowing down um, because if it is just the act of bowing down, then we must take away from all the other types of worship, which is worship through service um, Mm -hmm. in the sacrificial service uh, through the sanctuary, then that wouldn't be classified as worship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, prayer wouldn't be classified as worship because if we're praying standing up, then that wouldn't be classified physically as an act of worship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, praising God through song, um, that wouldn't be worship. And in reflecting his character, that is also would t- you would also be taking away from worship. Yeah. Uh, so I think worship, yes, the word does mean to bow down or kneel down or to put your head down. Yeah. Um, but I think worship is so much more and, and just it's so broad in the way that we can show homage to God mm. through our acts, through our mm. behavior, through our interaction, uh, through our church service, how we provide and how we worship for God through through the church as well. Um, there was also just, I, it wasn't very thorough that I got a chance to have a look at it, but I was impressed to have a look at the word service yeah. through the New Testament. And uh-huh. I did find, I only got to three references, uh, which is Romans 9, 4, Romans 12, 1, and John 16, 2, okay. where the word service in the Greek is actually worship. Uh, so there is a connection between service mm. and worship mm. through the New Testament in those few verses that I got a chance to find. Sure. Um, so yeah, I, I do believe that there is 
Yeah, there is also evidence to support the fact that in our acts of service and in the way that we interact with people, we are also worshipping God um, by acknowledging and realizing and accepting that God has done a great work for us. And as a result, we have a desire to be justice um, and reflect mercy to people in our community and in the people that we work with. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think you've pointed out right. If worship was merely a bodily posture, which, as you mentioned, no, no, it's, it, it can be part of it. It's part of it. Then everything else that we did made no difference. Um, if everything that we do is mostly about God, you know, like that verse that talks about we do all things to glorify God. Uh, and, and, and Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that what we do is for God. You know, we, we present ourselves as offerings in body and in mind. And our behavior, our behavior is to be all related to, to that idea of going back to God. Then everything that we did, that we do, like you mentioned, you know, whether it's singing, whether it's serving, whether it's whatever, we'll have to do it bowing down. So like, you know, I'm, I'm bowing down, giving you this because that's the way I, I can worship God through my action. The other thing, I go back to that idea that we mentioned earlier, the, the idea of the two guys who were there giving worship to God. We, I think we all agree that the, the disobedience of Cain not going to Ken and Abel again, was related to the desires of his heart. And it was a matter of worship. Uh, a lot of people even link that story to to the worship that we will see in the last days with the last days. Mm -hmm. Most Bible scholars will say, you know, it is to do with worship, the Sabbath business. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about who you're following. And I cannot imagine that the Sabbath, even though we agree about worship, we're going to be prostrating down. Hey, you know, I'm keeping the Sabbath. Look at me, right? It's really about obeying Christ, obeying what God has left for us. Cain failed to do his worship to God. He was looking after himself. He was like, you know, this is, this is the best mm -hmm. I have. I want to do whatever I want. In the last days, there will be that de this demarcation between who we worship in the way we choose to do things. Either we worship the lamb or either we worship whatever the dragon has presented through his systems. Mm -hmm. and, and we might say, look, you're not going to make me to bow down, but you might not bow down, but go out to work on Sabbath. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. are not worshiping the lamb and his commandments as, as it's found in really throughout the story of Revelation. Just to add to that, like if we have a look at the example of, you know, the three Hebrew boys and, yes. you know, the examples of worship through Daniel, yes. all that comes down to obedience yeah. and to submission. Mm -hmm. Basically, the king wanted them to be submissive to what he wanted. Physically. And to bow down when he called it, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they wanted, he wanted obedience. Mm. He wanted them to obey him mm. above God. And I think when we have a look at worship, worship is so much more than not bowing down to the idol. Mm -hmm. It is the psychological and the spiritual and emotional commitment to be faithful to God, mm -hmm. to his leading, be in submission to the Holy Spirit, and to obey his calling. Absolutely. And I think that that, that is the deeper aspect of worship, yeah. is that we are in submission to God and that mm -hmm. we are in obedience to him. And I think when we have a look at how that can be portrayed in our life every day. Mm. Um, like an we act can of be service. in submission to the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yes. If we're in submission to God in the sensitivity of, hey, God is changing us, mm. God is calling us to reflect Him, and that God has maybe impressed on us to do a specific act of kindness to someone, mm. we're in submission to His leading and we're obeying His call. Mm. Um, and I think that is more about what worship is about. And mm. if we look at Cain and Abel, we can apply that as well. It was yeah. in submission to what God had requested 
And it was that following through and obeying, even though, you know, you might want to do something different. We can see how the concept expands a lot more and go back to that obedience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for that. We could talk a lot more again, like I said about that, but um, we go to our last question, nevertheless, which was in episode Mm -hmm. eight. Episode eight was the list of this. That that was the title related to the actual title of the lesson. And it says, you say that we need to love others even when they hurt you. I think... I might have brought this aspect of this episode. And and the person says, this is tough. How can I love someone who oh. doesn't love me back and hurts me? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, there's so many things in here. You know, I don't know. My heart goes to the person who is asking this stuff. Because um. I have seen the suffering of people who who are struggling with this. And it's, it's always, you always have like this monkey on your back on the idea that I have forgiven. Uh, and again, maybe you don't have to be there because the person might have continuously hurt you and damage you. Mm-hmm. And yet there is a tension in there. Um, I think every situation is so personalized. Mm-hmm. Love is very, you can't put a specific answer. Like there isn't like a checklist. Oh, I, I fulfilled this checklist and therefore I love this person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that there is an aspect where I think you are at peace to speak of that person or to interact with that person, mm-hmm. um, but still knowing your boundaries. Okay. Like you said, if it's a situation where you're constantly with that person and they continue to hurt you, mm-hmm. uh, then I think as well you have to relook at what love means. And does love mean that you continue to place yourself in that environment or in that situation? I don't think that's that's really what God desires either. Yeah. Um, but I do I I do want to share just um, I did a I I did a talk I refuse to call it a sermon but I did a talk about mm-hmm. uh, the Book of Job. Okay. And um, in there there is a point where um, I can't remember exactly where, but it, it's in the last few chapters where it says that Job was delivered from the, I suppose, the persecution or from um, the pain that he was experiencing through his friends mm-hmm. when he prayed for them. Mm-hmm. Um, there also is a spirit of prophecy quote that um, it says that Job was delivered when he began to pray for his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was really important for me as well because there comes a point where if you're able to pray mm-hmm. for the people that have hurt you, mm-hmm. I think that God begins to do a work in your heart mm. that the word mm. forgiveness cannot do, yeah. um, that our boundaries cannot do, that our distancing cannot do. When we can begin to pray for those people mm. um, and to pray for them on a salvational level, mm. um, that that Christ can still work on them and still help to bring them to salvation. I think that is when there's a there's a big shift yeah. in your mindset, in your emotional state of mind as well. When I thought about this question, I came to the idea that love is something that doesn't come naturally to us. I mean, when I th- um, at least when I think about myself, I I know that this is the, this is the case. In, and when I say, look, it's not that we were not born with the capacity to love. I believe God created us with the capacity to to love. He gives us that ability. But it is not something that we as natural sinners have. After the fall, our mm-hmm. ability to love and the way we see love is was tainted with our own motives and conditions of the heart and our own self-seeking aspects of self-protection, of preservation, of all these things. And so... 
I do think that the, the, in, in terms of the question, you know, how can I love someone who hurts me? I think that we can't. Mm-hmm. Not of our own. It's just not going to happen the more, even if I try the best we can. Yes, it has to be practical because to me, in my opinion, love is practical. When I read that first Corinthians 13 that we like to utilize passages of love or we, or as we dissect the life of Christ, which is really what love is all about. It's very practical. You know, it's about doing acts of service, but it doesn't come as a natural thing. And, 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 and I think of the fact that in order for us to be able to love back somebody who hurts us, eh, we had to go back to reposition ourselves as in, in looking, in looking at God, uh, who first John four, mm. first John four says that, you know, God is love and everybody who yeah. loves knows God. And it doesn't say everybody who loves those people who are nice to you loves God. It says, you know, everybody who loves, um, we can go around and spray love to everybody who hurts us and who doesn't hurt us, except it's harder to to love somebody who hurts us. Yet I think that God has the ability to give us that, that somehow, Whatever that looks like, again, we don't have to place ourselves in a position that can be dangerous to our own spiritual, mental, social, uh, physical health. Uh, God doesn't want that. He, he unnecessarily, unless you are there to spread the gospel, like Paul did, you know, he went and he went to places he was, it was risky for him to go to. Uh, people were going to kill him. And then in some places yeah. where people were going to do that, he also flee away. So you had to utilize our minds to see whether God's calling us to do something for somebody. Uh, in spite of the risk and the dangers. And yet we still have to have that motive and that motivation to want everybody's salvation. Like, like Stephen, who was there. And despite of the fact that, mm. that uh, they were killing him, said, you know, he was like Christ, forgive them. He didn't know what they, what, what they're doing. His heart was in synchrony for their salvation, in synchrony for mm-hmm. the benefit of this. And that's the ultimate love. If I can come to the point when I can desire yeah. that person's salvation, Mm-hmm. then I think I am loving that person. And if through that process, it could be like prayer, like we, like you mentioned, um, then that's okay. You know, we're praying, we're interceding for that person and it might not come natural. Again, a matter of fact, it won't come natural. I think we need to seek God for us to have that love. If we have lost it, have it back. If we never had it, God still can do it. God can do everything, you know, and, and he can, he can utilize um, the experiences that we're going through to polish our character and then to realize that there is something always beyond what we are. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and that's great, you know, because the Christian life is not a boring life. The Christian life is always, we never got there yet, you know. And even when we get to mm-hmm. heaven, I was talking about this to this friend of mine last night. Um, and even when we go to heaven, we'll continue to develop. Well, I, I had I had fun answering these questions. I hope that whoever listens to the questions, if it was you who asked the question, I hope that it's to your satisfaction. If it isn't, um, like we mentioned before, you know, search for your own answers as well. Um, mm. We don't have it all yeah. right. And this is our perception. And we're here to self-reflect on personal ideas. And as we find them in the scriptures. Um, and I would love to hear from you. We would love to hear the ideas that you have about these topics and other topics as well. Well, thank you again, Catalina. Thank you for coming back. Pleasure. For taking thank the you, time. Dan. No thank worries. Um, well, everyone, this concludes our series on the quarter that you thought were concluded, but they were not until today. So 
Again, feel free to send us a message. Talk to us about what you like, what you didn't like, what you didn't like to see, or what you like to see improved as well. And also remember to come to our monthly episode on character building ideas. That's every last Wednesday of the month. And every first Wednesday of the month, we have a biblical psychology episode. So come and check it out as well. And so until our next episode, I am Dr. Dancy. And today I choose to love God because, well, because he is God. How about you? Remember to subscribe to this podcast, like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.